And today on the show, we have a very special guest for me, um, being my previous boss and someone I feel uh, has helped me a lot in my uh, journey to where I am today. Um, please welcome to the show, Gregor Hartnell from Rate My Agent. Thank you, Arnie. Thank you. I feel privileged that I helped you along your journey. <laughs> Welcome, uh, Gregor. Hello, Arnie. Thanks, Sean. And Sean, how are you? How are you going today? I'm good. I'm really good. I'm staying warm-ish, but I'm wonderful. Very excited about this one. Very good. It's 25, 25 degrees here in sunny San Diego. So as it has been for the last couple of months. So. <laughs> and that's right. We uh, today we do have an in well. Greg is not from overseas, but he's currently overseas. So again, we're following this trend of having an international flavor on the Agile Contacts in a podcast. And that's probably a good place to sort of mm. kick us into because, Greg, you are now um, in, in the States, in San Diego yes. working. Um, yes. So why don't you tell us a little bit about what you're doing now and... And maybe after that, talk a little bit about your experience in contact centers, because this is a podcast geared towards uh, that as well. Sure, sure. So as you said at the start, I work for Rate My Agent. So just a 30-second spiel on, on, on Rate My Agent. So we're a digital marketing platform designed to help agents collect, share, and promote their reviews. And we strongly believe that uh, you know the reviews are the lifeblood for as most people say, you go online now to look at a movie, look at a book, look at a pair of headphones. Why wouldn't you do it when you're buying or selling a house and making the biggest financial, probably mental, um, mental, emotional decision of your life? So, yeah, so we're quite big in Australia. Uh, and then um, I was asked uh, just over a year ago to come out to here in San Diego and set up the operations of the of the US team. Uh, so my title was VP of operations because people are called VP over here. It's kind of cool. Vice president. There is no president, but uh, yeah, vice president. So I, I guess I'm like head of operations would be the Australian equivalent, I guess. Great. Great. And how you, how you enjoy it? Cause you've made the move over, over there. You sound, yeah. you look like you're enjoying it on this, all the socials I, I follow you on, but how are you finding it? Hello friends, we have some exciting news about an event coming up with a previous client of ours, UniSuper, an industry super fund based here in Melbourne, Australia, who improved employee engagement from 67% to 83%, a phenomenal improvement in just six months. We're going to get into all the detail on exactly how they did it, showcasing the tools and techniques and all the numbers to back it up. So we'd love to see you there. It's 2pm Australian Eastern Standard Time on the 29th of April. All the details are on our website and the registration link you can find there under our events page. So go to www.theagilecontactcenter.com.au to find out more. We hope to see you there. Bye. Yeah, I, I get asked that question a lot. Look, up until March uh, this year, it was amazing. You know, we um, got to travel so much around California and, and California's a beautiful place. And then March hit and all of a sudden we were, as everyone probably knows, forced back into this whole new life. So um, been pretty tough since then. Uh, unbelievably, Melbourne's on a bigger lockdown at the moment than California. And we should be, we're having 10,000 cases or something a day, but we're, uh, we're a little bit more open than you guys. So we can go out and go to restaurants as long as you're outside and you can go more than five kilometers uh, outside your house and you can stay out after 8 p.m. But yeah, look, it has been a big adjustment, a, you know, a huge adjustment being, uh, now, I, even though I've got used to it, I really miss being in the office around people. Mm. How, how has it affected your the operation for your team? Um, look, not not too much. I mean, probably like most contact centres, um, everyone just, most people are on voice over IP, so they just take their, their headset home and, and plug in. Um, it's just, you know, I, I've just found it really, really hard. I mean, I, I read, you know, what do they say, 90% of um of someone's what's the saying 90 percent of something is um in body language or non-verbal cues or whatever the saying is mm. and, and zoom's okay but you know i really miss just sitting in a room with someone having a chat having a one-on-one -on -one or doing stand-ups you, you, you can just feel the energy so much easier than trying to do it over bloody zoom mm. i'm sick of, I'm, I'm sick of zoom we're talking on zoom right now but yeah dude, I'm, I'm doing i'm averaging like 10 10, 10 bloody zooms a day so uh. I'm sick of it. But yeah, look, it has been an adjustment. And I was, I was thinking earlier, I, I missed too the, um, you know, when you can hear people on the phone and you can hear them talking mm -hmm. and 
that that general buzz and energy you just don't hear that i mean i'll just sit here quietly now I, um, um, i'm either on the phone or got the news playing or listening to 80s music tragic uh and then my kids are running around and telling them to be quiet all the time so you know i just i, I just really miss it i really really miss it mm. You're not on your own. I think there's a lot of people like that, different degrees of, of missing it. But yeah, that human to human energy is, yeah, it's not, you can replicate some of it, I think, for the most mm. of it. Like it's passable, but yeah, just <clears throat> that energy of being with other humans in a room is, I think, something we're all longing for. I'm certainly one of them. Yeah. yeah. If, you're, if you're a hearts and mind leader, you're definitely, uh, mm. definitely missing. Yeah. And, and that's, and probably a lot of people who are in contact centers or have that background are probably struggling the most through this because, you know, as we know, I guess the archetypal people mm. who are in contact centers are usually very people, people and, and feed off that energy from one another. Mm. Um, so I'm sure we can all relate. Yeah. Um, to, so Gregor, um, for those who don't know you, that well um i mean i i know mm-hmm. that you know you've, you have quite an extensive career within you know contacts and a background um sure. why don't you talk a little bit about um about that background like what experience you've had and yeah how that's brought you to where you are now oh how far do you want me to go back uh it's been a 20 <laughs> 20 year career uh as far I, as I you was, like uh, yeah I, I started as an yeah I'll, I'll i'll get through the first 10 years quickly but um <laughs> I think it's an interesting story. Uh, we'll see how many people skip through this. But, um, <laughs> yeah, we'll yeah, let the uh, reviews be the judge of that. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, I, I actually started working um, for a big five accounting firm out of uni and um, lost my way quite quickly and really missed doing anything that was customer centric. It was just so, um, you know, I, I was hired as a grad and as a grad, you just do photocopying. And I pretty much did photocopying and things for other people for six months and thought, oh, I've got to get out and found a job um, as a technical support um, agent for a, a software company called MYOB back in back in 2000. And it was around that time for those that are a bit older uh, would remember that the government gave uh, every small business uh, $300 to buy software for their GST. So MYOB just went from 40, 50 people to 500 in the space of three or four months. And I, I was part of that intake. So that was, that was phenomenal to, to be a part of and watch. Um, through there, like you know, like most people doing contact centres, I, I then became a product specialist and then a team leader and then a manager. Um, while I was there, I got a chance to uh, go over to London for three months and Malaysia for four months to help set up contact centres over there. So I got a really good chance and you know, really probably worked on my craft of understanding how to set contact centres up from scratch uh, and, and, and change the way people work. Uh, then... After that, I thought I was a numbers guy, so I, I, I did a role as a workforce planning manager um, at ComputerShare, and, and, and that was really exciting because I did that for a contact center of 350 and then a, a back office team of 500. So you know, we were doing um, some really cool stuff trying to work out how many people you need for when mail comes into the an office, which was which, which was pretty cool. But then I really I, I realized then how much I missed the people stuff because it was a job that just was heavy on analytics and numbers, which I do enjoy, but I missed the people stuff and then got back into it and took on a a, um, a contact center manager role whilst I was at uh, ComputerShare. I did that for a couple of years, got a chance to go set up a contact center in New Zealand. So I've, I've been lucky to travel a bit in, in my work. And then my old boss at MYB, you know, seven years after leaving, she asked me to come back and uh, run run a bigger division, so I went back to MYV and and contacts and the manager over there again for another couple of years, uh, and then I thought, um, where's this going to go? Maybe I need to go into the big big corporate world. Uh, so, joined one of the big banks, uh, and that's where I met you, Arnold. Um, so I was lucky enough to to do a um, a manager role there. Um, got introduced to Eduardo and. You know, then and then starts this amazing journey we went on. Um, was it was it NAB for a, for a few years, and then uh, took a leap of faith and uh, was excited by joining a startup and never looked back. And that was just on two years ago. There you go. Wow, that was a long. Is that too long? No, he, that was very he, short. You went really short. Yeah, yeah. Can, I'm can not we... applying for a job, so I didn't. Have to go. <laughs> yeah. I'd give you a job on the strength of that. That's fine. Thanks, hey, could you, yeah, talk to us 
about that nap time when you we worked with Arnie. That's curious about the the birth of your kind of your exposure to the to this new ways of working. So yeah, talk us through that. How did that go for you? What were your what were your first impressions of it when you first yeah, yeah. met Eduardo? We we uh, I was I was doing it with um Arnie's always smiling. I was doing it um got introduced by uh, James from Smart Recruitment. You might have had him on already. Well, you probably know James from Smart Recruitment. Yep. Go visit him. Good bunch over there. Um, he said, oh, you have to meet this um, Eduardo guy. He's, he's got a whole new way of thinking about um, contact centres and, and, and Agile and all this stuff. Uh, so Arnie and I and a couple others went to... Um, I didn't go. Contact... Didn't you I go? I didn't go. I was on my honeymoon in Europe at that time. Selfish. Probably doing 400 selfies and videos a day. Yes, that <laughs> um, is correct. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so we went. We went out to uh, went out to our biggest competitor, uh, realestate.com, at the time. Um, I wasn't with Rate My Agent then, but just in in Richmond there, um, Eduardo had just left and started his own. Uh, started the Agile Eleven or the Agile Contact Center or whatever it was called back then. And yeah, he, he took us through this. Hey, this is this is how we do contact centers. And I, I can still remember because I'm sitting there, I'm sitting there listening to him going, this, this guy's, this guy's on something. This is just hippie. This is just people sitting around doing no work, um, smoking the peace pipe. Um, there's no hard KPIs. There's nothing, there's nothing going on here. How, what do you mean people don't have a rostered break? What, what do you mean they make up their own KPIs? What do you mean they get up and do stand up and decide who's doing the work for the day? I was sitting there going, this, this is, this is crazy. This this is absolutely crazy. And I remember having that conversation with him, going, "Might work for you, but no way that's going to work at a at a bank. No way." Um, <laughs> so yeah, that was that was my initial thoughts, I guess. Um, and and why why did you think? Why was it that? Why did you think this can't work where I am? Yeah, I I, I think just look every every company is different and. I think the way a bank works or the way I, I, I found it, the bank, it was quite, um, what's a, uh, quite uh, structured, um, clear lines. You know, it was a very much a command and control type right. environment um, uh, where you, you, you can still share your ideas, but you were rostered to be on the phone from this time to this time. You had really hard set KPIs. Um, you know, luckily, I think a lot of centres have moved past you know, doing a you know, set number of calls per day or chats per day. So we'd, we'd move past that luckily, but still doing things like measuring AHT, measuring schedule adherence and, um, you, you know, spend. So I, I just thought the change for that and the buy-in from, I wasn't worried at that time and probably didn't know how big it would become the buy-in from the staff. It was more focusing on, geez, how, how am I ever going to get this? Um, how am I ever going to get this through? Yeah. Um, luckily at the time that, and around that time as well, um, NAB, uh, or NAB, one of the banks I worked at, <clears throat> starts with NAB, uh, separated from, um, or sold their insurance arm. So um, MLC Life Insurance um, created their own unique company and, and I got asked to um, be head of contact center for that. So the contact center of 300 split split off and we took 120 of these people. And uh, I guess at that point, destiny was a little bit in my, in my hands because I was reporting to the um, COO at the time who had quite a lot on at that point. So I was entrusted from him, you know, you know what you're doing, you know, you know, contact centers, um, it's up to you. So I thought, well, you know, we've got nothing to lose. So um, I think I bought, I remember we bought Ed, Eduardo in to our, to our old building, Arnie, and that's where you first met him. And I remember Lauren at the time, Lauren was sitting there um, and I think you had Lauren read on your first podcast. Is that right? Yes, that's right. Yes, second. Yep. Yes. Oh, second, second, okay. second. Right. Yep. Should have been first for me, but anyway, we can talk about that later. Um, you know, she was sitting there going, "Nah, this is this is ridiculous." I think she had my first thoughts, but for those listening, you know, Arnie was just sitting there lapping it up. I think he fell in love with Eduardo that first day, and for those that have met Eduardo, he's very, very smooth. He's he's very. Arnie's Arnie's facial expression. But the thing priceless. is, I just got back from overseas like i think that was like maybe the second day i'd just come back i was sort of jet lagged just been to europe and then all of a sudden there was this tall spanish man talking about this wacko stuff about contact centers to me yeah. and i'm like 
what what did I miss? Like, what is going on here? But I, you're right. I, I was like, yes, this makes a lot of sense. So everything that we were saying. Mm. Yeah, but Gregor, were you specifically looking for new a new way of working or or a, or a new operating process for your contacts? And how did you? Why did you go and visit Eduardo? Yeah, that's a good question, actually. Yeah, I I I, I'm, I am trying to remember. I know. Um, I was talking to James at the time because we'd, we'd, we'd split from, um, I mean, we're still in the same um, office, so it was quite it's quite strange. We had 200 people from there right next to us and we were the 100 next to them. And I was talking with James at the time and, you know, I was excited by, I just wanted to do something different. I, I, I know that I was, um, you know, our engagement was pretty good, but there was just something niggling away that there's got to be a better way. There's 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 something not quite right. and. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I always believe there was so much, um, so much knowledge in our in our frontline um, customer service agents, reps, whatever you want to call them. That, you know, that they've got yeah. so much knowledge. It just we, we weren't we weren't getting enough of it. Um, and um, to be honest, I, I was sick of hammering AHT down people's throats all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so when when you saw when Eduardo was doing his thing and taking on the tour and you were thinking this, I don't see how this could work at a bank, but on that level, but on a personal level, did it resonate with you? How did you feel about it? Were you thinking this is, I don't personally believe this or see how it could work or was it different? You thought I'm into this, but I've got some challenges making it work in this organization. Yeah, probably the latter. I mean, I'd seen agile at MYB in my earlier days and always liked that idea of um, collaboration, stand up and, and you know, fail fast mentality. So I liked it. I liked the, the people involvement. And I think, I've, um, as Arnie knows, I, I, I like people. Um, <laughs> Lucky. Strange, strange statement to make. Um, <laughs> but, but yeah, I think, I think Sean, the, the, just the, Fitting, fitting that into yeah, um, like it was, it was a square peg round hole, and I don't think I, I don't think I could make that leap in my head. It was just, mm. it just felt too big. But again, Eduardo, being the charismatic guy, said, "Look, why don't I just come in? Why don't I just have a chat with your team?" Um, you know, came in his nice sweater and his khaki pants and his cool shoes, and yeah, then as he started to talk through, I think I started to then really have the belief. I remember the famous video um, he showed us, the um, the command and control video, the cartoon of the. Oh yeah, that, that is, yeah, famous one. And and then when I when I started to see that and this this whole idea, which is one of the really things I've I've maintained, one of my key key um, it's not my philosophy, but one of the key things I've kept is this idea of treating people like adults. You know, if you treat people the right way, they'll do the right thing. Um, I remember watching that 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 really resonated with me, and I thought, you know, we've got hundred people here that could that know more about what's happening than I do. Why don't we give them a voice and why don't, why don't we give a try? What have we got to lose? And particularly because I had that new role, I, I felt I had that confidence. I had great people around me. Like, um, you know, I, I was lucky. I kind of got to pick and choose the leadership team. So I did pick the dream team with Arnie, Lauren and Chris. So we had a really, really strong team and it was a time to do it. And we thought, you know what, what have we got to lose? And that's when we started. Hmm. I'm, I'm curious, like, you reported up to Sean, which is the C- CRO, um, yeah. when we were there at MLC Life. Um, I know he gave you, you know, it seemed like from my perspective that you had a lot more freedom to do, like have do these sort of things. Like, were there things, like what was that conversation like? What, mm. what kind of things did you have to get across the line with him? Um, you know, what was that experience like? Yeah, yeah. Gee, that's a long time ago, Arnie. Uh, <laughs> look, I, I, I can remember... Um, one of the things I'd learned early on, and I'd learned this really um, when I do a lot of my travel, which would be one of my big tips if anyone is still listening to this podcast, is whatever conversation you go in and have um, will be the conversation that takes um, that takes hold. So what I'm saying, like if you go and say to people, um, our SLA is poor or we need more people because our SLA is poor, the conversation becomes about the, the SLA. Um, and I remember with... Um, I mean, with Sean, I spoke a lot about engagement. You know, he was big on people engagement. And I think around that time, Arnie, our engagement score had just come out and, and we were, not that I'm probably a little bit competitive, we came up much, much higher than, than the, our, our folks on, on the other side. So I spoke to Sean. I think from that I had, I had a lot of confidence. I had a lot of confidence that, okay, I've taken the group this far. I, I knew what to do going forward. Hmm. Um, 
and I think just the confidence as well that um, to let him know that the numbers would take care of themselves. And again, another big belief of mine, you treat people like adults, I'll do the right thing, the numbers will take care of themselves. We'll, we'll, we'll naturally adjust and find the right uh, find the right AHT. People will naturally adjust and um, follow the roster or decide, hey, I need to go on a break. Let's let's work as humans rather than against uh -huh. the spreadsheet. Um, so look, it, it, it wasn't much like give it a go, then if it, it doesn't work, throw it out. Um, you know, he at the time, I was probably lucky. I had a great time because he, he at the time had so much going on because we were you know, separating from the bank. I probably had that had that freedom. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so he was just distracted enough for you to be able to yeah, that's right. make that's the changes. Right. That's that's cool. <laughs> so, um, what what as you went through that journey? Because uh, giving people trust and you know radically changing the way they work is not a tends to be a bumpy process, but. How did you overcome your personal, any personal misgivings that you might have had about it? The the new way of working, or were I you think, just were you just bought in? You were like, I don't really have any misgivings. I'm just I'm all. My, yeah, my biggest thing. Yeah, good good question. Um, my biggest thing. I I think, um, the the biggest hurdle I had to get across was this idea of dropping individual KPIs and going to team KPIs. I just could not personally understand how you could do that. I, particularly for those that weren't performing, um, I really struggled to see, well, um, you know, and this rigor that you put around performance management at a lot of organizations, um, I really couldn't see how, well, if someone's not at their AHT level or not following a roster or not got their quality score where it needs to be, but everything's based on a team of 10 and the team of 10 are, are achieving, what, how can we possibly, um, how can that person, you know, that, that person will just get carried through. Um, and that's where really the whole, the whole, whilst NAB had values and stuff, that's where really um, Eduardo drilled into me, which again, I, I really hold now is this idea of values and how values should drive a lot of um, people's work style and, and people's work behavior. And, and even to this day, um, we, we didn't have values at Rate My Agent and I was um, myself along with our people and culture manager, you know, we, I was pushing that really hard and, you know, we only got our, sorry, bit of a tangent. We only got our survey back last week for engagement survey at Rate My Agent and, and, and values was the number one thing. You know, people um, understood them under, um, and felt that they were the right measures and felt motivated by them. They're all 100, 100, 100. This is, I mean, we've got 65 people, but that was really, really pleasing um, scores. So how was I answering that question? I've gone way off on tangent. Um, <laughs> That's okay. KPIs, individual KPIs. Yeah, so um, look, that was the biggest struggle for me. Um, and I remember with Eduardo, I wasn't ready to go all in. I know I was saying, you know, saying just just do it. I'm like, no, no, look, let's just let's just do a little bit. Let's just trial. I'm trying to remember what we trialed first, Arnie, but I know it wasn't individual um, KPIs. We kept them for a little bit. Um, we kept the rosters for a little bit because we had a hundred people. Um, I think one of the first things we tried um, was a day was a was a yeah CSAT or a daily stand up, um, mm -hmm. and again that was um, that was interesting because as yeah as as most contact center managers would would be doing is you're trying to squeeze that shrinkage down as much as possible, get them back on the phones, get people back on the phones, go get another call, next call, next call, next chat. Um, and, and this idea of pulling everyone off the phones every day or, or, or every second day, that was just like, that was, no, we, we, we can't, we can't do that. That's crazy. But, um, we tried it and we tried it, you know, we, we, we just dipped our, our feet in with that. I think we did like every second day we, we did a group and we put off only 10 at a time and had these meetings. Um, so it, it was slow. Um, maybe that's what, if I look back now, maybe that's what I needed to get comfortable or what the leaders needed or what the, what the agents needed. Who'd know? Um, but yeah, I think it was, yeah, that's, that's, that's just mm. a journey. Mm. It, it, mm. it really is a, really is a journey. Um, but I think that was key to it. Like it wasn't a matter of like, let's just click our fingers and everything just gets changed. Mm. Like it was actually, yeah. Initially, there was a bit more changes, like there was a bit more, especially at the leadership management level. Um, but then there were those changes that we sort of implemented over time, um, yeah. you know, and, and, and tweaked and experiment with. And that's sort of the things that we, we talk about is 
or especially Eduardo would, would use to talk about was like, here's a, here's a spectrum of where you want to be, like full agile contact center, or here's where you are now. Like, where do you want to go? Like, I felt like he always sort of pushed us along there. Yeah. Yeah. No, true. True. Mm. Yeah. So, yeah. And you just, you just have to, um, you know, after I've gone through it, it's, it's, well, not, it's not, nothing's ever easy, but you, you know, it works and you know, it's the right, it's just, it's just, it's just right. Yeah. And, um, um, I find it quite easy to, to do that now. And I think so much of it for me, and if I look back and, and reflect now, so much of it is trust, you know, trust in the people that they are going to do the right thing. And I'll, I've said that five times on this podcast, but it really is for me that, that trust. And I, I, I'm, I can remember when we had those stand-ups, the agents looking at us going, well, what, what are we really doing? Am I going to be, am I going to be told off because my adherence score is going to, you know, do I have to email, you know, go back to my desk and email and say, I wasn't sent up from 9 o'clock to 9.15, please, please adjust my roster. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so letting people know, hey, it's okay, we are going to change things. So maybe, maybe look, maybe each each company, well, not maybe each company will be different, and they'll and they'll take their different different time. Mm. That, um, we do talk a lot about trust on the podcast, so that's okay. <clears throat> Good that you're keeping Good. us on brand. Good. Um, one of the things I've been been thinking about uh, the last probably the last four or five guests has been very strong, and maybe because that's the context of COVID and, and distributed teams, trust has become even more important, but um, they've all talked about trusting, like just giving trust to your teams. Um, but I've always been thinking, how much is it about trusting yourself as a leader? Like is, you, the, is the hesitance to give trust to people coming from maybe not backing yourself as a leader to be able to lead in an environment like that? And is it first trusting yourself? I, I don't know if I'm going down a rabbit hole with it, but I don't know, it's been something on my mind. No, yeah, I, I, I definitely go down that path. Um, to, I, I think for a new leader coming in, it's it's so safe. It's so safe to have your, your KPIs there. It's so safe to go into a one-on-one and say, "Now, well, Sean, um, the target's four hundred seconds um, average. You're on four fifty. Maybe we can just shave off a little bit of after call work here. Maybe we can do a little bit." And and it's a safe. It, I think it's the wrong place to be, but it's a really, really safe place for a new leader coming in because you can sit with those KPIs. Much more challenging to sit in a room with someone and let them lead the conversation. Um, sit back and let, you know, Arnie, we like this great line, you know, let silence do the heavy lifting and just just actually talk to them as a human and, and, and get their ideas. So, yeah, I, I, I think that's much harder for a leader to do. Um, it's much easier to rope learn through KPI. So yeah, there's, there's, I don't think it's a rabbit hole. I think that's yeah. a, a really good point. Really yeah. good point. So what is it about individual KPIs then? Oh, sorry. What is it about, what's the biggest opportunity do you think leaders are missing by having individual KPIs? What are the- uh, as in, what are they? Uh... Yeah, I, I suppose maybe I've asked that question in a really tangled way, but I suppose to... from it's <laughs> okay. Well, I suppose yeah. What the move from an individual to a shared KPI? What's the what's the biggest advantage? I suppose I'll say it the other way. What's the biggest advantage that that teams are going to get or benefit they're going to reap from having a shared KPI versus individual? Because I think if we're if we're saying that, you know you've just got to trust you know in your people that you know that they'll rise to the occasion i mean that's that's quite a big you know leap of faith to make for some leaders but but if we can talk about the value what 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 really comes out of in your experience like your personal experience with with having shared measures of success what are the real benefits you've seen yeah um if i use example you know when i first got to um to rate my agent um my very first uh, week, they had they had a target of um, thirty chats a day, uh, thirty emails a day. We didn't even have chat back in thirty eight, eight emails a day. Um, and it, again, I've, I've seen this now over a number of years. But whatever KPI you put in front of someone, an individual KPI, and it's not the agent's fault. But reality is, they're going to do everything to hit that KPI. And, and what was happening was, and I'm sure people have seen this before, you start cherry picking. Well, that one's easy. That one's easy. I'll get to my thirty, and then and then accelerator comes off or um i i, I want to work this particular shift i want to do this because that'll that'll um that'll that'll give me better stats so i want to rush back from my break i want to make sure i don't come early back from my break or late back from my break because because of those things so it 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 puts you in this tunnel vision of i only care about myself i don't care what's going on around me um all of a sudden you you drop that and, and you say to people 
which I did, let's let's just focus on a team of um, having a, a, a high um, customer satisfaction score as a team. Um, and all of a sudden you got the most knowledgeable knowledgeable person in the group who's doing lots of chats, who's, who's really great, but again, he's sitting there siloed. He stops and goes, wait a minute, I can actually help other people. He, he realizes it's the right thing to do. So all of a sudden people start to, it's crazy concept that people are actually supporting each other and helping each other. Um, and then you have a situation where, um, okay, I might be really, um, I might be really struggling on, on this call and it's taking a while. People see that I'm stuck on this call or it's going to be a while. You know, they'll yell out and say, hey, Gregor, I, I see you struggling. That's all right. We'll jump on this for you and help out. And all of a sudden you just get this organic teamwork start, start to happen. And people start wanting to work. People want to work for each other. I think that's mm. intrinsic. People want to work and, 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 and help each other. And um, we saw that, you know, we saw that at um, MLC um, with Arnie and then um, see that see that at Rate My Agent, albeit on a much um, smaller scale. That's awesome. Mm. <laughs> Very inspiring to hear. Oh, so mm. um, I'm curious about, I want to bring it back to values because I know something like you know even from my experience you and when you were talking about it before it sort of brought home a lot of uh examples or stories of of the times you would just keep drilling home values um in a nice way in, well definitely in a, I, I mean you know, nothing, nothing, nothing nothing too uh too harmful <laughs> um I, yeah. I would say good, good. Um, <laughs> but what like you talked about the importance of it how do you what have you seen work to bring it to life in your like as you've led and rate my agent and uh, MLC etc. Um, well, there's a typical answer of um, role modeling it yourself, and, um, and that's a big one. But for me, it, it, it just it's it's continually having the conversation with people. Um, one of our values, uh, at, um, a, a couple that are really big at rate my agent is give a shit and uh, customer obsessed. Um, so how we drill that in is, you know, in my conversations, it, it naturally comes through to say, well, rather than say, um, let's look at how many chats you did for the month, let's pull up your quality score. It's much more powerful to say, um, give us an example of, um, actually, wouldn't it give me an example because we already know about it and we talk about that in, in real time, but mm. hey, wasn't that great this month where you got where, where this happened and, and the customer says this. Um, so when, like um, customer obsessed stuff now, uh, when someone gets a um, positive um, comment back from a customer, you know, we'll, we use Slack, so I'll immediately Slack up for the entire company into a hashtag customer obsessed and say, Julie, blah, 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 blah. Mm -hmm. um, so everyone, everyone hears it every day. Um, um, and it just, it, it, it just becomes, I don't know, it, it, it just, it, if you continually talk about it um, and you don't fall back into the habit of doing KPI stuff, it, it works. So, um, like, for example, at the moment, you know, we're, we're, we're really, really busy. Um, we're super busy, uh, and, and we're down a, a couple of people. So we've only got three, three and a half people in our contact center at the moment across, um, USA and, 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 and one guy in, um, Philippines and, um, the, the, the sheer amount of work that these guys have got on them is, is massive. Um, and if I, you know, it'd be such a mistake. I know how busy they are and how hard they're working. It'd be such a mistake for me to, to go in and say, look, you, know, you did 50 chats these days. I just need you to go a little bit more. Um, and, and if you talk about that they give a shit and they're customer obsessed, that that and you, and you give them that trust again, that naturally just just just, just oozes out of them. Um, so in summary, because uh, I've waffled on there a bit, uh, yeah, I think it's role modelling and then just continually talking about it. Continually, you just got to keep talking about it. And don't tr don't track fall in trap of going back to KPIs. No, I mean I, I don't think that was swaffly at all. Sean and I were like, <laughs> nah, that, that was a, that was a really good example. I'm gonna make I'm gonna flip it around to make it a little bit more yep. difficult as well. Good, good. What happens? What happens when people don't live out the values? Yeah, great example, Arnie. And I've got I've got a really good example for that as well. So that same example where um in that first week at Rate My Agent, I said right 30, 30 emails off no no target you get as many emails done as you can get done in a day whatever you can do so at the time there were like five people three of them 
took that message the right way. Three of them gave me back the respect, me back the trust to go, great, I can now flourish. I can do that like that guy that started helping people. Two people, unfortunately, took that as a message of, well, great, uh, I can definitely take my foot off the accelerator and I'll do the bare minimum or minimum chips. And they did. And and reality is, as, as harsh as it is, they didn't last long in the business. And and you can never make a wrong. I, I truly believe in all the like. No one likes to let people go and do performance management. It's never a nice thing to do. You don't look forward to it. But if you if you're guided through all that performance management by values, it just becomes a um, such a genuine conversation to have. And I remember having those, the conversation with with those two people. I don't think that we listened to the podcast. Um, but yeah, it was a conversation around look. Um, um, you know, you know why we're sitting here because we had a conversation three or four times about um, what you're um, delivering, how you're helping your team. Um, never about saying, and it was so easy. You didn't have to say, "Well, we said to hit thirty calls a day, but you only hit 15. Um So yeah, Arnie, I think I think it's then e- even more in those situations when someone's not following, even more then you've got to push back to the values, mm-hmm. and you and and you'll be safe. Because if you have the right values, the values will always drive. If you forget KPIs, if, it, if you, you look at it, you look at someone who's on the phones in on chat doing emails. If you if you can look at them and say, if you live all those values, you're doing your job. And if, and if you can't say that, then your values aren't right. Mm. But if you can look at someone and say, hey, I, I give a shit. I'm customer obsessed. I do the right thing. Um, respect for people. Uh, oh, what's the last one? Can't remember. Um, but yeah, if you, if you follow those, NAB's got quite similar ones. What MLC does as well. But I mean, a lot of companies have got the same. Mm-hmm. If you can follow each of those, um, that's that's where you should be measured in. That's where you should be measured individually is on your values. Mm. I think you've touched on something there that that is one of the reasons people lean on KPIs so much because KPI because they're I suppose they're more objective and there's you know there's a there's a target to go for. Mm. Values, values are a tougher thing to, I suppose, manage or, or yeah, manage performance on. But you seem to have found found a way to do that quite effectively. And I don't know if that's part mm. part of you. You talked about the storytelling component, like role modelling, and but also telling the stories of where people have done a fantastic job. What what about as a like from from, a, from an individual perspective? Is there any is there anything that you do to to be able to have those really good conversations with people about values? Like I suppose what I'm trying to understand is for leaders that struggle with that, because they can be quite challenging conversations because, you know, they can be subjective or they can be influenced by a number of things, you know, the, the context, the circumstance, all sorts of things, and you've got to provide examples and all that kind of stuff. But how do you how do you approach leading with with values versus KPIs? Uh, yeah, good question. Um, how do I do it? Look, I, I'm trying to think back to all my conversations I've had with people recently. Um, I think, I think, yeah. Look, as a new leader, I, I can see it, it'd be tough um, trying to trying to get trying to not lead the conversation and have the person you're having the one-on-one with if, if it's a, if it's a one-on-one conversation. If you can talk about if you can talk about um, as a group what what values mean as a group, maybe come up with um, examples of as a team what is um, what is a give a shit value? Have we got mm-hmm. some examples? And someone will say, "Oh yeah, remember yesterday when Arnie um, went above and beyond for this client and did this, and then followed up and did that, and then helped someone." And then it goes, "Yeah, yeah, that, yeah, that's a great example." So so you have this you have this toolkit of um, examples that. The team's heard and everyone's re- resonating with that. So once you've got that in place and everyone knows, everyone's pretty clear on expectations. And, and, and it's hard. You, you're right. Mm. There, there isn't a, wouldn't it be great if you can have a, a, a report you could pull and say, what's someone's give a shit belt? They're on 87 today. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I, I, sometimes you wish you'd have that. But yeah. if, 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 you, if you get that team acceptance of what um, values are, and it's not, it's not that difficult mm. to do. Um, mm. Your, um, for, you know, for, for those managers, I'm pretty sure if you ask your team that, that question, you'll get a collect a really good collective group of examples, and then you can use those examples. So then you've got something. If you need that um, 
that base to come back to. So when you're in those conversations with the individuals, you can refer back to it and have the conversation. And then so much of it is so much of it is putting it back on the the, the individual to say, um, hey, you know, the example we talked through the other day about um, Sean having that great call. Um, how do you think you went today with that call with that customer? And you just sit back and again let silence do the heavy lifting. Got to do it. Another trip. Another tip for, for or trip up for young players is mm. you can start mm. talking, which I'm doing a lot of now. Um, <laughs> ask you ask the question and then just stop and let 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 the person have some time to think about it. But it's not about how fast they can respond and stuff. It's just letting them reflect on that and go, mm. yeah, you know what? And the best the best leaders um, the best leaders will always sit back and the person will actually self self correct or be self aware to understand and go, yeah, wow, that's a really good point. And then start looking at okay, well, how can I, how can I start improving that? Um, and that's where the conversation gets gets really great. You know, the person coming to the leader and saying, "Hey, I'd love some help with this because I know this is something that I need to work on." Um, that's that interesting. I try to give a how how I do it and how, oh, how I think I do it. That's all. No, it's an awesome answer. I, yeah, it's it's not easy, but and I think it requires. It's like a lot of things. It's it's a long game. It's not, it's yeah. not, there's no quick fix with it. Like there might be with a number or a KPI and it does require that you have to believe that. Yeah. You've got to, you have to have trust. You have to believe that people yeah. come into work. We're naturally geared to be productive and creative. And when we come to work, that's what we want to do. So I yeah. think, yeah, your answer is spot on for yeah. me anyway. Yeah. And I, I, yeah. I also, sorry, Arnie, I said no, you go, you go. as well. No, no you no, go, you go. It's my podcast. Um, <laughs> Correct. <laughs> I'm a big, I'm, I'm, I'm a really big fan as well, which which really helps the conversation a lot. It's talking about, really talking about what the person wants to do next, because so much of what the person wants to do next is driven by what they're doing now and, and their values. And if you can get them to see like, hey, I want to be this, and you go, great. Well, to be that, what do you think you need to do? And hopefully they'll come up with a few things and then you can really start driving around this. Well, to really become a leader, this is what I need to see, you know, respect for people. I need you to start, oh, this is how you can start doing that. Let's go through those examples again. And if you start, what what makes it easy, I think for the individual is if you can start tying it to where they want to go and what they want to do, that's the conversation everyone must have in a one-on-one is we're all human. We all want to know what's coming up next. Where am I get my next pay rise or get, get my new opportunity? Everyone loves talking about that. So if you can tie it to, through to that as well, it really helps the conversation. Hmm. Sorry, Arnie, you were going to say something. No, I mean, I, it's, it's definitely along those lines in that I think the, the beauty of having those values-based conversations is that it's an adult conversation. You know, it's not like what we've been geared to do. Uh, there was an event recently with Gus Balbantine um, and he's, he's big about changing the education system because there's so much of the education system that just tries to control control people and, and force people to do things. Um, yeah. Whereas really we're all geared to act like adults and be adults and be creative and, and, and want to achieve the best and to, 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 to make the world better, actually. I think everyone deep down does want to do something yeah. like that. But we're, we've sort of been in this industrialized age of, of command and control and, and making sure that we hit these almost arbitrary targets of, of, for, for profitability or whatever it is. You know? yeah. um, so so I, think, I think it's so much more helpful if you can have those um, adult conversations, which is one of the points that you brought up. I want yeah. to sort of shift us to to a different um, element of the new ways of working, um, and something mm-hmm. that we talk about a lot. And I know that this is something that uh, that you really pushed along with me um, because. Oh, I'll, maybe I'll give some context around it. So I'm, I'd like Please. to talk about failure demand, right? Um, gotcha. Fairly demand, you know, and for anyone who doesn't understand, it's basically the the demand that contact centers have that your customers don't want to call for. You know, they that's what we call fairly demand, and yeah. that was something big that um, Eduardo talked about, and I know that you were a big advocate for um, to especially help with a the customer experience, but b removing that that unnecessary workload coming into contact centers. Um, mm. So I wanted to get your take um, on that. You know, was that a, a thinking that was new to you when you were introduced to it? Um, what, what are your thoughts on it now? Um, how are you even implying it maybe if, if you are? Um, yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, great question. Um, good, good, good um, theory from the people at Vanguard. I think came up with it, or some dude mm. at Vanguard. Yeah, I love that. Um, yeah, I still use that today. Um, actually, I had a um, company update meeting, and I was talking about that to the to everyone about some of the stuff that we're working on for the moment. I'll, I'll get to that. Um, back to MLC. Yeah, it's um, and, and and look, I look back now. It was it was so much easier than it is now because when you work in a big contact center as we did, you, you, are, you are so sheltered from every other department in the business. You've just got, you got this whole big bucket of calls. And as long as you answer those bucket of calls in X amount of time, no one, everyone just stays away. Okay. Get, have good quality. So you don't have errors and complaints and stuff, but you just want to, you just got this big bucket and, and, and that's all you seem to focus on. Um, you know, there's always this idea, I think around, um, uh, you know, probably people, I probably had bits of it, you know, doing things like, hey, if we had a self, if we had an, an article for that, that would help people. So online articles were probably where some of this stuff came out from. But then this this whole idea of um, um, removing the removing those calls or those communications where we've made the customer call in. And I think when you look at it like that, um, that was again another light bulb moment for me to go, yeah, wow. And then on the flip side to go, well, what are the, what are the actual people we want to speak to? What are those? There are actually people where we want to talk. Um, and I think, I think, um, a lot of companies are trying to remove that as well, which is scary. You know, let's, let's just drop every single, um, every single call. We don't speak to anyone when in fact you probably do. Cause if a customer wants to call up and say, I'm interested in buying this or tell me more about this, hmm. um, they're the people that, that you do want to speak to. Um, and where I think, you know, where, where I really, um, where, where I think we got a lot of traction is you put you put it in front of um, your manager or the CEO or product management or development or marketing. And you say, Hey, we got X number of calls about this particular issue, which we really shouldn't have, you know, try not to talk, try not to always bring it back to, it'll say X amount FTE because that's not what you want to do. You start having that conversation with people, then you'll start getting, right, let's drop the FTE, drop the FTE. Cause what you want to do is say, I want to remove that waste, that failure. And I want to do more of the higher value stuff. Um, getting back to my point before around, you know, you, you go into the conversation talking about dropping FTE, then everyone's going to start saying, well, let's get your numbers down, let's get your numbers down. And then you've got to go back to saying, well, if I get my numbers down, SLA is going to drop, then have more abandoned calls, and then it just gets into a horrible. I haven't mentioned the word abandoned call in like years. It's great. You don't even talk about abandoned calls or SLAs. Um, but yes, yeah, really powerful to go to those other departments and say, um, hey, we had you know, 50 calls yesterday on, on this letter that you sent out. And I'm like, everyone's like, wow. And if you just, well, what do you think we could do? And all of a sudden now you pull in your team that take all those calls and you say, hey team, why don't you give some feedback to the marketing team on, on, on that particular email? And all of a sudden the marketing team are like, oh, I didn't realize there were people that spoke to customers, which is a problem for a lot of contact centers. <laughs> like, hey, you know, we, we do speak to people every day. If you asked us the question, we might better help you. But you, the marketing people go, oh, wow, this is amazing. And then the, the, the agents on the front line keep saying frontline, I feel like it's an army term, but agents taking calls and stuff go, this is awesome. I actually get to give feedback. I actually change. So um, that was no doubt a really big thing for us. I, I, I think from a, not just, um, not just actually removing that failure, but I know Arnie, that was one of your big programs. I think the, one of the biggest things you got out of it was involving different team members in it and, get, and getting them involved. They just love that because they, they felt like oh, I have a voice. I can actually share what I think's working and, and what's not working. Um, and, you know, I remember I can picture that picture that board you had up on the uh, on one of the whiteboards because we, we commandeered every single whiteboard in the whole floor from memory, like sure whiteboards did. everywhere. Um, uh, yeah, so, um, so I was off on a tangent where we're potentially moving buildings and, and, and the building guy said to me yesterday, you've got a lot of post-it notes all over your windows and it's not showing a very good office. Can you just take them down? I'm like, well, shit, we haven't been there in four months, so you probably can, you know, <laughs> yeah. um, using, using, using Trello, which I don't like as much as standing next to someone, but, um, yeah, well, I was going, yeah, so yeah, really big back then. Um, and I was saying it's, it, it's actually, it's a real challenge, um, at rate my agent because, um, we, we're really trying to scale and grow really, really quickly. Um, you know, as a startup company does, um, you know, the, the market here, if you think about, you know, there's 30,000 real estate real estate agents in Australia and there's one and a half million in the US. So the, 
the market size is just just huge um but everything we look at we go how can we do that at scale um so a lot of our value stuff you know if you think about like a netflix i mean who 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 who, who does netflix have a contact center i mean whoever calls netflix you just put your credit card in and off and off you go mm. and what a great model they've got um um so you know how does how does rate my agent not that we're netflix uh, i'm trying to be netflix but we're trying to be us but um where this came up is trying to really look at going well where are those high value um those high value calls and for us it's not actually taking a call on hey i want to take out a subscription we want people to do that um automatically through our system it's actually us being proactive i think this is a really exciting thing people to think about is it's not necessarily taking in more value calls it's actually what I've discovered that a lot of it is make is making proactive outbound value. You know, we've got customers um, who, you know, it's really important as part of our program, you continually request reviews and we can track who starts dropping off and they're the high value calls, doing outbound calls to a customer to say, hey, you haven't requested a review, let me get you back on track. And for any company out there, then you start looking at, well, where's my drop off rate? Where do people start unsubscribing? Where do people stop using my product or service? Because that's when the contact center can get really, really, um, and you know, I don't want to say revenue driven, but it can get really, really focused on helping customers um, through proactive work rather than just always reacting to those calls coming in. I'll stop there. When, no, when no, I think that I think that's beautiful because it it and it again it, I think this all comes down to change the perceptions of contact centers like you said it was you know before it's like they just take calls they're in a but they're just you know let, leave them be as long as there's not enough not that many complaints and that you know our customers seem happy then we're good to go but how can we start flipping that around to be almost a value proposition for your your, your organization that you have this contact center making outbound uh, pr- providing value to customers you know to add to that actual yeah. product that people are purchasing um and you'd only do that by removing that fairly demand um, to increase yeah. that capacity to do more of that uh, value demand. Yeah, and it is, look, it is, some of it is, a, um, as Sean for the other one, it, it is a long-term gain. Uh, gain. Um, you're gonna, you, you're gonna, you potentially are gonna su- suffer a little bit and that comes back to that, again, if you're falling back to the SLAs or your average speed of answer or your GOS levels and stuff, you've got to let that stuff go. You, you've got to expect and go, hey, you know, we are going to take a hit, but the information that we're going to be able to gather and feedback to the business will stop that ever happening again, or hopefully stop that ever happening again. And it just opens up a whole new world, I think. Um, I agree more. Definitely a whole new world. Um, I, I we're, we're getting close to probably hitting the the mark where you might need to go to sleep because you are in in the states um, I haven't yawned yet I'm but too excited. but you're too yeah good good this is good if, if you're trying to wrap me up arnie i've no. heard the message loud and clear no i'm not i'm just uh <laughs> no, no. just, just checking in i'm, I'm curious going. and feel free to jump in on on, in, on any topics that you're kind of interested in but I, i'm keen to something that i've always been curious about um i think after we we started working together was how you manage to make that leap of thinking. I know we touched on it a little bit before, but you know, for you personally to, to be able to unlearn things that, you know, you've been in the industry for a long time, you've seen, you've set up contact centers yourself, you've seen it work, you've seen the successes from that. How do you unlearn that sort of stuff? That's something we've been talking about internally as well. But yeah, yeah. can, can you t- 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 take us through that journey? Uh, yeah, how did I? The the first memory was just um, I think we I think from memory you know we just saw we saw um, we saw some not immediate but I, I, yeah no I think it was immediate because I, I you know I mentioned before I remember looking at um, looking at some of the agents and then going oh this apart from the initial, initial shot like going what the hell why got to get back on the phones adherence yeah all of a sudden you, you could see a shift you could see just this monumental shift in in teams you could see um it wasn't long into the journey and, and we just moved buildings and, and and people wanted to come to we level 15 level 14 can't remember people wanted to come to the because the energy and the excitement on the floor you, you could just you could just feel it and sense it it wasn't just like a row of desks with things on the side people were just sitting there going this is a death march or get me out um um 
and also and also this idea of you know if everyone joins a contact center you know, sorry no one ever says i want to join a company and join a contact center and i you know I, I i fully see that a lot of the time it's a great stepping stone for other roles but you know, for, for that first time in 20 years i saw people actually wanting to stay people actually wanting to be in the contact center people actually wanting to work for each other um people actually saying hey i come to work because i love sitting next to this guy or this girl and i love working together with them so i think arnie um I started to see that in in people and I started to get that um I guess like um please sir I want some more and I started I decided to let go a little bit more and as I started to let go you you just start to realize um um like I remember the the, the adherence one took took me a long time um and I think a lot of that happened probably um after I left but um I mean we don't have a no such thing as a roster a rate my agent you know people people just know just to check in on each other but um you you start to let go and you start to see it it happening and if you're a people person and you can and you can read and feel people's engagement start start to lift you just you just want to keep going you just you just it's like a cult um <laughs> i probably have a more precise answer for you if you asked me but i don't know what what did you learn from that time arnie i mean you 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 probably speak about it and remember it more than I do. I mean, I was I was really lucky in that I, you know, I'd been in contact had, center injury for five so years. Like, yeah. yeah, I was lucky yeah. because of that, of course. Yeah. But I I hadn't been there for that long, so I didn't have much previous knowledge. And I feel like I feel like a lot of the things that you often said um, about people first and having that perspective. Um, to, to your point earlier when you said it just it was incongruent to how we would measure people and that always yeah. kind of sat uncomfortably you know having those conversations I, I distinctly remember having to have a conversation to an adult about how many times he went to the bathroom once yeah. and and after that i was like i'm never doing this again because this is yeah. just this or i should not be having this or yeah um, that's that's a story for another time, but uh, oh, yeah, I wish I could share it. Yeah. Um, uh. um, but yeah, you're right. It's um, um, you know, I, I often tell a story to a lot of new leaders, like that same situation where um, a, a team leader many many years ago pulled someone into a room and just ripped shit through them because they had all these toilet breaks, and the person broke down in tears and said, "Well, I've got a, a bladder control issue. I'm, I'm I'm wearing a nappy. You know, like what the." Uh. and you realize you know what that conversation could have been so much different if you walked in and said hey are you all right and you know it goes like that are you okay stuff and um and those percentages are holding true man like 25 30 percent of people suffer from some sort of mental illness and it's it's it's, it's a really it's a really big thing and um you gotta if you you, you put people first and you look after them, you'd be amazed it comes back in spades and spades and spades. Um, we had a girl, um, she might listen to this podcast, Julie, she reports to me at the moment. Um, she, she had a baby came back in six weeks. Um, and she's like, you know, she, wor- she, you know, she was worried because you told me she just started at the, at the company um, and she was too scared to tell me um, she was having a baby. And I'm like, oh, that's great. You know, number four, you're crazy, but um, congratulations. <laughs> um, but, but the... The, she she couldn't believe it. I said oh, that's fantastic she goes oh, I'm not going to lose my job I said don't be silly I mean in California you can be pretty ruthless with people but um, but I said no don't be silly that, that's fantastic and she, she wanted to come back she she loved working for us and she she pushed herself and herself she, she wanted to come back and no doubt with four kids who wouldn't want to come back uh, you know and within six weeks she was back she was, she was back working again um, which is crazy um, yeah, so many conversations. It, 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 it's just so important to really, really put people first. It, it brings me back to, uh, I'm going to have to share the story again because I think it, it, this one just always impacts me. Um, it's with, there was, um, so we had a guest on, Tim Buzzer. Um, shout out to Tim. And he was, share, he was sharing how they've created a, a, a rostering system that's based on, um, uh, it's got some, a blockchain you could probably explain this a bit better yeah. sean but there's some blockchain elements within it or something like that where people basically earn credits to make roster changes but it's all you 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 do it yourself like it's self-managed through the mm. system so you just go in and it's like oh I'll, I'll pick up all these shifts 
and then I'll build up credits and then I can take, you know, I can swap shifts in, in other places. And it's basically allowed so much more flexibility for people in the workplace. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's this whole, um, you know, it's just, it's a trust-based system, really. You know that that okay. you can you can you take a shift so to be able you you do more, you know, to to get um, things in return. Yeah. And anyway, there, basically, um, there was a, a a lady who had a daughter with epilepsy, I believe, mm-hmm. and she she was prior to having the system in place. She was at a point where she just couldn't work anymore because she just had to look after her daughter at all times. But ever since they introduced this new system, she's been a being able to do so much better in, in her performance and everything because she's able to actually work. But she's one of the biggest contributors to taking people's shifts. You know, they can see how many people are helping other people. She's the one that's doing it the most because she yeah. knows how valuable it is. She's getting so much in return of it. And I just think to like, if that something like that isn't in place for these people and how many other people are in that same position, what are they missing out on? You know, that they, that, you know, they, they can't earn a living. They can't um, take care of, you know, their own, ch- their own children. And I, I think that sort of mentality to the, I guess, back to the point, I think it's about this mentality of people first. How do we move yeah. away from being this engine and, and actually being, you know, thinking about humans and thinking about how, it's so much more than these um, arbitrary numbers that we, we sort of yeah, chase people towards. K- yeah, people on mm. KPIs. Mm. Uh, it's beautiful hearing all of that, Gregor. And it's, I, I suppose the thing I love about it, because it's, it, it just kind of reinforces for me what I believe, but hopefully people who hear it, it gives them some hope. But the, the, the thing that, that I always think about is how when we describe these kind of working environments where people are first and talk about values and trust and everyone says, oh, that's what work should be like. And you've the, you're a great example of how work was like that and you built that. The thing that, that so many people are in environments that aren't like that and it's just the thing that just astounds me so much that as human beings, we know what work should be like. We know the value that work should provide us as, as human beings and that connection we get from each other. It's so many places aren't like that. So it's been great to hear you talk about that story because it's not, like we joke, you called it a cult and like, you know, as it's this cult, cult-like sort of environment. Mm. Um, but it just still fascinates me that we, we look at the, these kind of working environments like that. Like they're such unicorns, but they're, but it is yeah. actually the way that it should be. So it's brilliant to hear you talk about it. It's like the red and the blue pill from um, the Matrix. <laughs> you, know, you, you get to yeah. wake up. Um, yeah. But yeah, you know, once, you know, it, it'd, be, it'd be, you just, I, I could never think of ever going back to, to a company that, that, that does that. Not that I'm entertaining leaving or anything, but yeah once once you've experienced it um yeah it's it, it's an amazing journey it's an amazing self journey to go on it's been amazing for me to go on um I, you know i've i've learned more about myself um more about um people more about life you know just when you change the conversation and you treat adults like adults and you have adult conversations with people mm. magic happens it's pretty mushy but it does it sure does. So it's probably a very good place to almost leave it. Um, I do wanted to ask, do want to ask you before we do wrap up. Um, for anyone who's perhaps on that journey of maybe seeking a better way, you know, maybe yeah. someone like you, uh, a younger you from a few years yeah. ago. Mm-hmm. Um, what what advice would you give to them? Uh you didn't set me up for it, but hey, talk to you guys first. Talk to people that have done it before. Um, Arnie, you know, you've been through it with me and um, you know, Sean, you're a big proponent of it as well. So, hey, uh, agile11.com.au or whatever their website is. No. Um, the Agile Contact Center. <laughs> if you yeah, do want to contact us. But, <laughs> yeah. um, good plug. Uh, how, how would I start? Um, well, if you've got three this far from the podcast hopefully they've got they've got a, a few ideas but um part of it is part of it is you know as you said sean it's um you know like uh, i'm trying to give an example like you want to give up smoking wake up one day and realize hey i gotta do it so 
if, if you realize it's the right way to work, then you need to have a really good look at yourself to go, well, what's actually stopping me and start, start making those changes and, and, and start, you can start with small stuff. Um, I think you're never going to go wrong with value and failure demand. That, that one's a great place to start. You know, get, get, get up on the board, get the, um, what is it? The high effort, low effort. Um, high value. Um, you'll send it in the, sh- you'll send it in the show yeah. notes. Or yeah. 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 Before the start. <laughs> That's good. Um, <laughs> the podcast I listen to. matrix. Show, yeah. The show yeah. notes. Show notes. I was going to say, well done. The other podcast lingo down there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, start with something like that. Yeah. Um, that's a really big one. Um, start with that uh, or start, start talking to your agents. Pull them into a meeting and say, hey, guys, what's working? Do a, do a happy, sad, indifferent um, retro. Love, love those. We do those a lot at, at Rate My Agent. We do those after um, every little mini project and stuff, um, and, they're, and they're fantastic. Um, and, and, and once you get through the awkwardness of going, um, I find that because, because after you've done them for so long, there's so much trust that nothing, nothing fresh comes out of the retro because it naturally just comes out in real time because you just tell someone. Hey, this isn't working. We have to change this. So rather than wait to the retro, there's nothing worse than getting to a retro or a one-on-one, and someone saying, "Oh, I, I don't like how you did that." And you go, "Well, you could have told me that like a month ago, and I would have stopped doing it. Yeah. I would have started doing this." Um, so it'll that that will feel a bit funny, like a retro. I remember the first one Eduardo did. I sat there going, "Oh God, what are people going to say about me? This is really, um, you know, you take it personally and." You don't, you don't, you don't want people. You want people to be happy, and then all of a sudden you start going, "Oh, people be happy. People love this, and people don't like this." Well, let's you know, let's get a group together to work on that. And there's some really cool, cool little things you, you can do there to get started. Yeah, that's that's beautiful, and that was not about a, a self plug by any means. No, that, I think there's definitely things, and we we've talked about like there are so many things um, that we talk about that there that people can go away and do, and I think you provide some really great examples there um and those are things that we can definitely put in the show notes Mm -hmm. (laughs) um gregor thank you so much for joining us today um i i'm very grateful obviously because we we go way back but i'm sure anyone who's listening will have gotten a lot of value um from from yourself and if you're in the market for uh a real estate agent wait no if you're a real estate agent oh is it both is it both? Yeah, you're going to choose a real estate agent. You come to ratemyagent.com.au if you're in Australia and help. Um, you can find the best agent to either buy or sell your property. If you are a real estate agent, listen, listen to this. Make sure you take out a subscription. There you, horrible, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> and we do, have, we do have US listeners as well. So is it yeah. just, just drop yeah, the right AU? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Drop the AU or if you're in New Zealand, just .co.nz. <laughs> we have New Zealand listeners. There excellent excellent there you go but um thank you so much for joining us uh and all the best as you continue to expand into the states thank you thanks for having me guys I thought it was fun. thanks gregor yeah it was, it was awesome fun. thanks Cheers. so much thank you cheers guys